Hello and welcome to DigiDate, a visual novel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nelsie. I recently had to restart Animal Crossing because I bought a new Switch. Yeah, your 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 yellow Switch. Anyway, buy me a pink sw- pink Switch Lite. No, I will not. <laughs> Again, buy me a pink Switch Lite. Anyway, you're a Nelsie. Say the thing, say uh, the thing oh, yeah, boy. You have to fucking okay. Um, say the thing, boy. I'm Ray. I'm Ray Milo in boxes. For 200 miles tickets, you can buy me. Is that what you want? Is that what I owe to you? That's all you want from me, okay? You know, Raymond Milo. Why you see Ray Milo in boxes looking for 200 miles tickets? Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. All right, I'm in my maid dress and you're making me sing bubblegum for your Twitter followers, but let's get on with our podcast. <laughs> Oh, I love it. This is the most joyous day of my life. <laughs> the pain that I feel. <laughs> so aside from debasing Milo to introduce themselves as the cat from Animal Crossing. Well, I'm standing here and I'm, you know, I've got my glasses on and my heterochromia and my fun made dress. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to work on episode two, the deep story route of Mystic Messenger. We're going to talk about Juman and Seven. Um, if you remember correctly, Milo is a seven simp. If you remember correctly, we both like Juman in every route but his own. Yeah, Juman's route. Well, yeah, let's go. Let's start. We're gonna start with Juman. This is Juman's whole route and his whole scene. Yeah, his whole scene. Which is important that I say that, and I sort of preface it that way because his route is bonkers insane. Oh boy. So for background, when we began playing Mystic Messenger, uh, like our resurfacing of it in 2020, um, I had played Juman's Route before. I had not played Sevens. Uh, neither of us had played Sevens. That's the one we started on. We had played Juman's last because Milo had never played it before and I remembered it being super weird. Yeah, yeah. You had played it before and you were talking about it. I remember you saying, I remember you telling me, hey, there's this whole part in Juman's route where your MC just stuck in his fucking house and he will not let her leave. And I was like, ha ha ha, this is a joke. This is a funny thing you're saying. And then we got into the route and I was sort of came to this sort of harrowing realization, like looking in the mirror, is that everything you were saying was not a joke and you were in fact trying to almost warn me ahead of time. So experiencing for the first time and finding out, hey, yeah, no, he keeps you in his house like a fun bird in a, in a silver cage was kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I guess we're jumping a bit, but that's sort of the central thing of Juman's route. So, yeah. his route, his whole thing is that he, his father wants to put him in this arranged marriage, literally does not tell Juman, it's so, you got to think of it like a fucking drama show. It's nothing. It's nothing. Okay, let's start with some base facts. In every route but his own, Juman is a fun little man. He likes his cat. Uh-huh. He's very rich. He's sort of ridiculous. He can't drive. You know, these are fun oh, things about Juman. He's so in- interesting other routes. Like, he's kind of fun. You kind of see him and you go, oh, haha, Juman talking about his cat or whatever. I bet he has an interesting route. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also the fact that, like, Juman is so lonely. He's so horribly lonely. In every route, he's so lonely, including his own, for once. <laughs> Yeah, he's incredibly lonely, and that's the most part of his route that I kind of enjoyed was them diving into his loneliness, but that's sort of a weird footnote. Mm -hmm. That's what I enjoy about Juman's route in the sense that, like, if I'm finding things to enjoy, it's just that, you know, he's a very isolated little man. 
And I think it's nice to just give him, like, somebody to lean on. However, it gets a little bit extreme. So to start off with, in Jumin's route, you bond with Jumin uh, by, one, overworking Jaehee. Yeah, you gotta be rude as shit to Jaehee, which is already, you know, kind of rough on me, Jaehee simp. Um, so whoopsie. But also, uh, aside from overworking Jaehee, you bond with Jumin by, like, sort of sharing his taste and being generally nice to him. We used to say this back when we were doing Seven's route, but it was so weird to navigate, like, not accidentally getting Jumin's route, because every time you're nice to him, it's a heart. Yeah, and not even nice to him. You, there was a point, there were these text messages, and he's, there's one where he's like, oh, do you know any other sayings or whatever? The two options are like, Jumin's amazing. And then there was, Jumin is a bore rule. And if you click the bore one, like that he's boring, you get a Jumin heart. It's really weird. He's just such a sad little man. If you pay any attention to him, he gives you a heart. He's so sad. He's so sad and he's got mommy issues. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to move on to this, uh, Jumin starts building a bond with you. And um, he has a troubling, he has a troubling interaction uh, with his father and with a random woman. Uh, Take note of my first, of my first pin that I put in episode one, which is that all women in Mystic Messenger who are not Jehi are mustache twirling villains that are intent upon tying MC to railroad tracks. (laughs) Yeah. These are the worst. Okay, these are like the worst examples of it too. They're, these, these women are nothing. They're literally nothing. So Jumin's dad is dating a new woman. Her name is Glam Choi. She's a celebrity. Um, yeah, she's she's some sort of celebrity. Yeah, she's some sort of celebrity. I don't think we ever really get the specifics. I'm gonna assume she's an actress. I think so. Yeah, my my brain says actress. She was my brain. She has very actress. little to do with this plotline. I feel like. Yeah. So she's dating Jumin's dad. Jumin has no interest in anybody who has ever been in any relationship with his father because he has no confidence that any of his father's relationships will fall through, will, like, go through, and he fully believes this is going to fall through within a ma- within just a little bit of time. Oh, yeah. He automatically assumes that this is just not gonna work. It's never gonna work. Mm-hmm. Jumin's father is a whore, and Jumin has no respect for him. Oh, absolutely. It is It is kind of almost, like, comical about how much he fucking, uh, he says that he cares about his father, but whenever you see him and his father talk, it is, it is clear that they're, like, it's just stilted CEO talk. It's so, Jumin has a very complicated relationship with his father because he does like his dad. His dad occasionally has a positive interaction with him. But Jumin just hates his dad's relationships, any relationship his father has. This also brings me to my footnote. Jumin's dad is drawn in a different style than literally everyone else in the game. Yes, Jumin's dad, I made this joke a few times, but it's funny and you're you're going to hear it, is that mm-hmm. Jumin's dad is drawn like he's people in those like language learning textbooks that are examples of like two people having a conversation here's a speech bubble you know they look like that and it's weird next to these anime ass boys to have this really like like textbook drawn man that is supposed to be juman's father uh it's just so odd juman is like this lovingly illustrated bishonen boy absolutely who's apparently come from his classically illustrated gray-haired circular father (laughs) yeah his fucking esl teacher of a father and you know you gotta assume juman looks exactly like his mother who also is um according to juman's wikipedia she's traveled abroad and has lived abroad for two years and he hasn't seen her for two years 
Yeah, like logically, I know that Jubin has a as a mother, but I feel like they talk about her so briefly in the route or ever mention her that I forget that she exists. I just feel like I just think of Jubin as like he came out of a tube. He came out of a tube, and that tube assigned him a father, and that father is a whore. That father is a huge whore. So onto his whore father. His whore father's new girlfriend has also government assigned Jumin a girlfriend. Yeah, he given her given him a punishment girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Sarah. Her name is Sarah. She is engaged to Jumin in the most loose term of the word. She's so stupid. It's so stupid. But she's betrothed to Juman, essentially, uh, as long as Juman is amicable to the arrangement, which he isn't. (laughs) Yeah, okay. There's this whole scene when you find out where, like, you meet her. Or, well, meet. MC's in the room, but it's like, you know, you see the storyboard. And it's weird as fuck. It is so contrived. She just shows up at his house. She just shows up, and then she's like, we're getting married, and I'm like, what? What is No, like, the the whole, like, Juman talking to his dad thing about this never happens. It's just so weird. It's so, like, just, she shows up, and she's like, we're getting married, and he's like, literally, who the fuck are you? And then she gets mad at him for not knowing. It's, which, fair on her, because I assume that she would think that her dad would have told like, mm-hmm. his dad would have told him, but at the same time, it's just so, it is, like, fucking drama. It is such a drama show. It is such a drama show. And so, you know, Jumin, I just, I think about this and it makes me insane. But, so Jumin is canonically a misogynist. <laughs> he hates women. He does not like women. Um <laughs> He says so. He says shit like, oh, I don't understand why how why women are like this. He's like, I don't understand why women are like this. I don't like women. I associate them with the women my father has dated, and I hate every woman my father has dated. And it's it's understandable, because if you look into a couple of the story modes, what it seems to be is that Juman's stepmother was uh, getting real friendly. Real friendly here. And it's like it's a weird. It was a weird fucking story mode. I forgot about that. Jumin's stepmom is trying to fuck him. It was weird. I don't. I hope it's not what they were going for. But the I just so I was so weird. It's like you look so much like your father, and I was like, what is happening? And then we never hear from her again. <laughs> Never again. So that's what we know about Juman's home life, is that for most of his life he had a stepmother who he regarded as his mother, or at least his father regarded her as Juman's mother. He had no respect for her because she was trying to fuck him. <laughs> yeah, she just he did not respect her. And so it was essentially a revolving door of woman in his father's life uh, who he had never made a connection to. Uh, and so there are two women in Juman's life who... He, there are three women in Juman's life who he cares about, right? There's his yeah. cat. Yeah, there's his cat when she... Talks about as if though that they're like, oh, this is the only woman that I've ever loved. Mm-hmm. He loves his cat. He loves this cat to death. And uh, to be honest, as a cat owner, this is my favorite thing about Juman. I'll forgive everything else in his badly written route only because I love him and his cat. 
You see, I wish I could even say that, but the cat stuff is just, it's The cat stuff in the route is stupid, but you know. It's stupid, it's few and far between, but also I do respect you. I I like how in one of the routes, there's a CG of him crocheting his cat. It's cute. Mm -hmm. I think that's so cute. I think um, one of the things that always gets me, uh, and this is only because it's funny, is that there's a call in his route where he talks about how Elizabeth III has always been there for him. And he tells you a story about how one time he had to go to a meeting and he had to wear a suit, a specific suit, and the suit had pinstripes on it. Uh, No, it didn't have pinstripes. It had diagonal lines on it. And he was in emotional distress because he could not wear clothes with diagonal lines on them. He hates (laughs) diagonal lines. He hates diagonal lines. And this is the same man who cannot pick his tie in the morning. <laughs> he gets a distressed because he has to pick a tie every morning. It takes him like ten minutes, and Jahi's over there, like, "Hey, can you come to work?" <laughs> <laughs> He's incapable, and he hates diagonal lines so much. And so Elizabeth the Third rolled all over the shirt and got cat hair all over, it, and he was like, "She understands. I couldn't go out there in those diagonal lines." <laughs> he drives me insane. He's so. Weirdly, like, he is superstitious in the funniest way. The funniest way! He hates, he hates any mention of ghosts. He hates any mention of, like, Zen's prophetic dreams. I mean, on that point, fair. Fair. Extremely fair. But he can't wear diagonal lines. He cannot wear diagonal lines. Mr. Fucking CEO businessman, who talks about, like, the art of business sometimes for no reason is also like, oh no, that's diagonal lines. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it's the funniest shit in the world. But... Okay. To continue yeah, so he's... Hmm? Yes. So those... So the one woman he loves in his life, his cat. The second woman, Rika. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Rika's had a profound emotional impact on Juman uh, because V is his childhood friend. And so V gets a girlfriend and Juman essentially has to third wheel them all the time. And she takes a pet project in asking him why he's a misogynist. Holy shit, she does. She does take a pet project. It's like, I did appreciate those scenes where it's sort of like, um, Rika saying the shit that I was thinking, which is that I wanted to, I wanted to sit down with them and I want to go, A, what's your problem? B, like, asking these just questions about, hey, why do you act like this? Why do you treat women like this? And then Rika mm-hmm. being like, well, do you not like me? I'm a woman. And then she's just <laughs> like, no, you're the exception. I have issues. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the few good scenes where I was like, this is kind of, the dialogue was in a lot of this route is so, like, over the top, especially for Sarah, to the mm. point of where it's, like, I feel nothing, I don't feel the stakes in it, where I think Rika and Juman's talk was kind of on the more of the sweeter side of it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I feel like Rika and Juman, you can feel there's a palpable, like, friendship between the two of them, and that, like, Juman was definitely starting to feel that there was another person he could let into his life, because essentially Juman's only friend is V. <laughs> Essentially, essentially, he just is. Yeah, yeah. Juman's only friend is V. You could say that Juman's friends with the RFA, but I think you'd have a big argument to make in that case. Oh, you would have to have, yeah, I think you would really have to make, especially in where we are in, like, the timeline, I guess. Mm. He's incredibly isolated from the rest of the Rappa, and the rest of the Rappa does not like Juman. They're really... 
Look, I am, I understand people don't like Jumin. 100% get it. But at the same time, the Rafa is very, like, he tells a joke. And then everyone's like, shut, like, Seven specifically. He tells a joke and Seven's like, stop telling jokes. You're hurting me. Ow, ow. Your, your voice is like sandpaper to my brain. So you'd have a big argument to make that Juman is friends with the RFA when essentially every time he says anything, they're like, boo, you suck. Yeah, boo, we hate your pussy. Boo, we hate your pussy. And the pussy is his cat. Yeah, they also hate his cat. Now you see, it's kind of like, I understand. I get it. Because he he's a fucking billionaire and, like, fuck billionaires. But also, he's a fictional billionaire. Anyway, we're not going to get into that. But what I'm trying to say is that I get it because he is sort of, like, act- you can see people who think he's high and mighty in the Rafa. But also, mm-hmm. y'all, can we just, there's, there's kind of, like, a barrier between, oh, this is just sort of a, like, a, uh, yeah, you seem kind of high and mighty asshole. To be like, anytime Jubin says, haha, here's a joke, they're like, what the fuck? What the fuck? You're telling a joke? I hate your pussy. And also you take <laughs> bad photos. What the <laughs> fuck? Photos! That was the funniest conversation. So there's a point, before you get into the route, now we're kind of ping-ponging a bit, this will be a little side note, that there's, like, whenever they're trying to decide, like, who you're going to go with, uh, Jubin's at a, at a dinner with his father and Glam Chow, and... There's, he's like, took a picture of his steak, and it's super fucking blurry because he can't take photos. And everybody, and then immediately Seven's like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, you can't, like, look at this shit. You cannot take one good photo? Like, what is your deal? It's so rude. I think about this, and again, ping-ponging a bit, but, like, there's a point where Jumin is venting about how much he hates that his father doesn't take his opinion into account and how his father keeps entertaining fleeting relationships for no reason. And Zen calls you, his almost girlfriend, and goes, isn't this so funny? (laughs) Okay, okay. Yeah, there's a- Jumin opens up in, like, the text, and- and Zen calls you and is essentially just like, what the fuck? He has feelings? This is so funny. <laughs> and it's so weird because he's just like, he is like, oh my god, he's opening up. Oh, this is so gross. And it's like, dude, what's your problem? What's your issue? What's your damage, Zen? I know you don't like him, but this just seems kind of rude. But that brings us to our third point. Woman number three in Juman's life. Points at the camera. You. You. It's you. You are the third woman. You are the third woman determining if you actually go for him or not. Jumin gets super attached to you very quickly. It's slower paced than in other routes where characters such as you sung will like uh, will like confess their feelings to you on like day five. But Jumin, yeah, they're like, we're dating! Mm-hmm. But Jumin gets really attached to you really quickly, and your relationship goes very fast because he gets super depressed because of his dad, and Jay-He sends you to his apartment. Yeah, yeah, he's he's getting depressed because of the whole thing about, like, Sarah, and he feels uh, like, because during this, during this whole thing, like, whatever there's the Sarah stuff, Zen has a prophetic dream. He has a prophetic dream that Elizabeth is away from Juman and is, like, lost in the woods outside of this weird building, which is actually Mintai. Mm-hmm. And Juman would compound that with his whole, like, terror, for, like, with the Sarah stuff. He was, like, afraid that Sarah was or was going to try to take Elizabeth as a bargaining chip. 
So he kind of freaks the fuck out. He buys a cage and puts Elizabeth in it. Mm-hmm. And then Jahi's like, well, you gotta help him. He's not coming to work. And like, this is stressing me the fuck out. Can you go to his house? I'm gonna send you. Smart on paper, Jahi. Wildly bad decision. Yeah, she does go. bad decision. <laughs> she goes. And then Juman is like, holy shit, I love you. And because he's so stressed, he's like, hey, can you stay the night? I'm just worried for your safety. And so begins the spiral. <laughs> so <laughs> the start of the end. To speed run through the levels of this spiral. Juman asks you to stay the night in his apartment. Zen freaks out about this because you are a woman. Zen calls you to ask if Juman is fucking you. You say no. Juman is probably not fucking you, but he is coddling you, like, a lot. He's sitting down with you, reading your bedtime stories, and tucking you into bed and shit. Legit, not joke, viewer, no joke. There was a CG of him tucking you into bed and reading you a bedtime story. (laughs) It is incredibly, yeah, and he's also being really weird about it. He's like, hey... You know, why don't you stay in here? You could, like, we could, I could teach you how to make tea. I can get you all the dresses you've ever wanted. He's treating you like your hair. Yeah, he is. He's legit treating you like his cat. He's like, I can't wait. I'm going to brush your hair, your fur. I mean, hair. I mean, your hair. (laughs) It's so odd. And it's sort of, it also comes to a head because, I don't know if you mentioned this because my Discord cut out. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we're all like the day whenever you wake up and you're supposed to stay the night, and he's like, I'll bring you back soon, I promise. Which starts the trend in this route of the minute Juman's like, I'm gonna send you back to your apartment now, something happens, and then he's just like, Never mind, <laughs> actually, never mind, I'm not going to send you back to your apartment yet. Yeah, so Elizabeth gets out, Elizabeth, the door opens, Elizabeth just fucking runs, and she's gone. Mm-hmm. This is a lot because Juman cares about this cat but what he's also privately decided is he doesn't need his cat anymore because now he's got a human pet (laughs) he's like oh cool a shiny new like human this will replace elizabeth (laughs) because he's like he used elizabeth as sort of this is a woman i can talk to yeah he's like oh no now there's a woman i can talk to who i can also keep in a cage but only if she were but only if i get freaked out enough Mm -hmm. so the thing about it is that juman's relationship with elizabeth the way he tries to explain it is that he was using elizabeth as a replacement for a woman in his life and so he could not be a fit owner for elizabeth because he has been putting her on this pedestal and she was secretly unhappy um which that's not how it works bud but okay she's a cat no yeah it's weird it's it's yeah he seems to not understand that elizabeth is a cat Mm mm-hmm But, you know, he goes and he says, like, I wasn't treating Elizabeth as a cat. I was treating her as a woman in my life. And it's like, yeah, she's a cat. You know, I think she was pretty happy with the premium cat food and litter. But okay, but. I don't think she she had enough to be able to realize that you were using her as free therapy. Mm Mm-hmm. She doesn't have that sort of awareness. I sit down with my cat all the time and use her as free therapy. She's not upset with me. She's a cat. No, I don't think she, I don't think there's anything going on in that noggin. Even her be able to realize there's nothing in there, but so Juman tries to make this point, and you can kind of see where he's going. But he's also determined to find her because he wants to give her back to V because he feels that V would be a better owner. Yeah, he does. And also, while this is happening, 
there's so he kind of freaks out because Elizabeth is gone. He decides he's just going to not let you leave. You just cannot leave now. So can't. you just can't leave now. I really want to harp on this point because it is just I understand why they're going sort of this direction. He's freaking the fact out. He doesn't want you to get hurt. But the thing is, is that it feels very much like he is legit just like not letting you go and like a very it, it is that line i can suspend my disbelief on what is creepy or not creepy in visual novels pretty well but mm-hmm. this is like right up to that line where the sort of like this is just if it was just a little bit more they talked about it i could be incredibly uncomfortable mm-hmm. and there are moments that are decidedly creepy and the game is setting it up that way there is a phone call where Juman calls you while you're at his apartment and he's at work because he's been able to dodge going to work so far, but now he can't anymore. And he calls you and he goes, please, please, please just don't leave the apartment. And you're like, I'm willing to stay here until you feel better because you're a way too nice person. And he goes, oh, that's a relief. You wouldn't be able to leave if you tried anyway, but I'm glad you agreed to stay. And you're like, what? And he goes, uh, actually, I'm breaking up. Goodbye. Yeah, it's like, the ring does acknowledge that he's creepy. I don't want to say this is, like, not an unintentional thing. It is intentional. But the problem with that is, is that usually whenever things like this are a little bit creepy, like that, like the Juman, like the phone call is a good example of something that is, I think, creepy but still works. It's clear, like, oh, he's, you know, he's just sort of having this bad response, and that's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the stuff, I feel like, if they were going this angle, you need to have a counterbalance. You need to have stuff. You need to have him open up way more than they did. This might be a little bit out of order, but there is a point where Sarah comes by and she tries to deliver a photo of the cat. This is not Elizabeth III. This is just a random-ass Persian cat. Uh, And she shows this photo to Juman, and Juman's like, that's not my cat. And she goes, it is your cat. Look closer. And he goes, no, it's not my cat. Get out of my house. And she goes, you have to understand, we're going to get married and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, ah, man, I didn't want to have to do this. But then he kisses you, which, all right, bud. (laughs) Yeah. This is you in front of her. In front of her. It is such, I swear to God, it is a fucking daytime TV show. It is a daytime TV show. There are even moments where he'll acknowledge this. He says a line where he's like, I'll be willing to pay you whatever amount of money. What's the amount of money to get you to leave me alone? And she names a price and he goes, I'm not going to do that. That's business funds. I just heard about that in a drama I read about. And oh, yeah, yeah. Like, what the fuck? And then he kisses you in front of her. And then he also says, having an audience for our first kiss, this takes the edge off. And it's like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? That's another thing about it. Is I think a lot of this route is very is self-aware of what it's doing. But I don't think it's I don't think it is it is lampshading, in my opinion. Yeah. It is hundred percent just like putting, isn't this such a big drama point? And it's like, okay. Yeah, like, I get that the idea is that there's supposed to be a lot of space left in for Juman to sort of scratch that itch of, like, it's hard to put this into words, but I guess I just have to say it, but Juman's the weird kink guy. I hate to say it, but <laughs> that's who he is in this game, is he's, yeah. he's the kink man, and we know this because of bad ending number two. Yeah, battery number two, if you sort of push him to be like, no, keep me in a fun little silver box and put a fun little, like, bow in my hair and, you know, I want to be locked up, uh, he'll he'll sort of, I guess, break and he kind of decides he's going to just keep you in a, like, box and there's a CG of you with bows tied around your hands and you're, like, mm-hmm. walking towards him and he's, like, got a fucking Fifty Shades of Grey-ass smile on his face. 
Yeah, it's a lot. I want to be clear that this is only accomplishable if you, like, push him to be really sexual and you push him to be a freak. But it is a very popular thing with a lot of Mystic Messenger fans, which, like, no judging what you're into, but I think maybe it should be a little <laughs> bit less, I don't know, overtaking of your life. Listen, if you want Juma to put you in a cage, that's fine and well. But I don't know if you should be taking advantage of his psychotic break to do it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of the thing with him is it's like, it seems, it is, he's taking control of your life, essentially. And I, I, you know, it's, you know, it's for some people, but man, I just, I can't get with it. I can't get with it personally. It's an outlier in my mind. But yeah, so Sarah comes over, you kiss, uh, you kiss Juman in front of like her, or she kisses you, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then she runs out, she storms out, she's mad. And there's this whole part, there's this whole part, which I like to call, Oh, the Rafa is just on their knees begging Juman to let go of MC. <laughs> They're like, hey, the party is in like three days, two days. You need to fucking let her go. You just go to the apartment. Can you please do that? And then he just keeps going this thing, which I don't know why but this weirdly bothered me of him just going like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And then like the next day he's go, no, actually I won't. And I can't even remember, there was like never really a good reason. Like the Elizabeth one was a good reason. The mm. other ones were just like, he woke up and then Seven's like, I'm kind of stressed. And then Which they're is- like. Odd because there's a bomb in the apartment. I feel like yes, they could justify a lot of Juman keeping you in his apartment if they had just utilized the bomb in your apartment as a plot point. If it was the bomb in the apartment, I don't, this would be, I would not have this problem. It wouldn't be an issue to me, because no matter how creepy about it he was, I would go, well, there's a bomb in the fucking apartment. He doesn't want you to die. Yes, and it makes sense why he would try to keep keeping you there. Because he's like, well, I don't want to just let you go anywhere. Like, I don't know where you're going to go. We have to watch out for you. But then it would sort of be like coming to a head, like, no, Juman, maybe we need to have this moment where we're apart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But then it said it's just sort of like, you don't know about the bomb in the apartment. Nobody knows except for Seven, but Seven's also, we need to get into that, but we'll I'm get to that very second. busy. So it's just sort of weird to have this thing where it's like essentially everybody going, hey, why don't you just let her go? There's no reason why why not to. And he's like, no, the wind blew kind of weird this morning. She needs to stay another day. And it would be cute, except it's like, he's you just stay in his apartment whenever he goes to, like, work. And you can't mm. do anything. It's just so... Where's the wish fulfillment in this? It's odd to me, personally. And I get that Juman is supposed to scratch that itch of, like, he's a weird Fifty Shades of Grey rich guy. But I think that so much of Juman's appeal was in the fact that he had sort of these contradictions about him where he was super passionate about his cat, which was seen as like an annoying interest by other people in the Rafa, that like he was super interested in just things that you kind of wouldn't expect of him. Like when he gets into cross-stitching in a couple of different routes. Uh, I Well, actually only V's route. I think he gets into cross-stitching. Or yeah, it's just the one, yeah. Aaron's route that he gets into cross-stitching. But... You know, he gets into things, and he's pretty passionate about them. He's got some charm points. I don't see how keeping you locked in his apartment fits into it. I don't, and I, I, it's just, it's such a weird thing that it was almost comical to me. There's a point where Jahi is like, hey, I'm going to visit Juman and try to get this dude, like, get her out. Like, get her out. 
like this big moment of Jahi going, and then it's just so anticlimactic because she gets to the door, and the guards are there, and then she's like, "Can I go in? Can I see MC?" And then they're just like, "Well, no one can come in here." And she goes, "Are you sure? Can I get in there?" And they go, "No." And then she has to leave. No, she goes, can you ask him if I can come in? And they go, okay. And then they ask him and he says no. (laughs) He says no! Motherfucker, you're not helping our case. I know! And it's not even like, I was expecting the scene. I was like, wow, it's gonna be a great scene. Jahi coming in and going like, hey, you know, you can't use your trauma to keep her here. You know, she cares about you. You guys need your time apart. I was like, damn, this is gonna be great. And then it just, it's just like a scene of you guys drinking wine. And then he's just like, oh, Jahi says she wants to come in? No. And then that's it. No, sorry. It's nothing. It's nothing at all. But we got to move into the further plot moments. So in the background here, Seven has been dealing with the hacker business. The hacker business is what we call his trauma. Yeah, his big old trauma that he does not know the whole thing of. His brother is the hacker for Mintai. Yes, his brother's a hacker for Mintai. And you get a very, it's just a very sad scene. So Seven goes off to the Mintai headquarters to confront the hacker, if I remember correctly. And I think he brings mm-hmm. Yusung. He does. He does bring Yusung. Yeah, he brings Yusung. And they go to the Mintai headquarters. Elizabeth is there. Milo and I had a mild argument over whether or not she had been kidnapped by Mintai. And I think she has to, because the Mintai headquarters is, like, in the mountains. And <laughs> Elizabeth's got little legs, and she's a Persian cat. Yes, you see, my problem with that is, is that she's just, like, outside, just running around out there she's like out there and like there's no one watching her it's just so weird maybe i'm pretty maybe there's a line in there that i just don't remember where sarens which is the hacker i guess apologies is that a spoiler uh no i don't think it's a spoiler i mean we're spoiling the whole game (laughs) yeah yeah but it's so Sarah and the hacker is like, oh, maybe he says something like, oh, Elizabeth, you got out again. I don't know. But yeah, he goes out there to look at the Mintai headquarters and he brings Yusun. They see Elizabeth. And then uh, Saren comes out and talks to Seven. And this is one of the few routes where legit they both just, like, they just stand in front of each other and they get to sort of talk it out. A lot of the other routes that are not Sevens, he never sees his brother. I, it's so sad. And so Seven sees his brother, and he's so sad. He is. Because his brother, like, Saren's essentially like, yeah, this is who I am. I'm like, you know, I'm the hacker. You know this. Because he assumed that that Seven knew. And it breaks Seven a little bit. Yeah. And you might be like, you know, if you're sitting at home, viewer, you might be thinking, I bet this is a big part of Jimin's route. No. I want to be clear with you. After this scene... Seven's sad, and they never talk about it again. Never. He's so sad, and you're just like, well, you know, I got my own problems. I'm locked in a rich man's apartment. <laughs> yeah, I don't, like, I don't want them to resolve it, but it has such a big change from the other routes that sort of doesn't go in. There's no, like, oh, maybe we should disband the Rafa. Nothing. No, nothing at all. But we'll get back to, we'll get back to Seven Business in the second half of this episode, But what this brings us to is the conclusion. So the conclusion, everything sort of gets wrapped up for the most part. Throughout the route, Jaehee has been collecting tax returns and shit from Sarah and Glam Choi. She did not need to. She's not being paid to do this. 
She's not being paid to do this. She takes it upon herself to look into this, and she finds that they're doing some pretty shady business. She presents this to Juman's father, or Juman presents it to his father, and his father is like, uh, well, I don't care. <laughs> his dad does not give a shit. His dad's like, well, she's she's got nice titties. I'm sorry, kid. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. against her. She's seducing me with her women powers. Yeah, Juman's dad is Juman's dad is funny enough, chill as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I cannot for the life of me remember if this route actually ends with him marrying Glam Choi like he planned to do, but I do know in this specific instance he's just like, well, I'm not going to hold it against her. I mean, no, no, it doesn't. Do you want me? Did you do you remember the ending too well, or do you want me to? Uh... Uh, what it, what is the, I remember most of the ending, but I do admit that sometimes Glam Troy would show up on screen and I would just blank it. <laughs> I would just... I mean, it's boring. Whenever oh, she's on screen, it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole thing is that, like, at the party, he, uh, Glam Chow and Sarah are invited to the party, and then Sarah, they get up on stage and they're like, damn, I can't wait to get married to Juman! I'm so excited! Okay, so there's this whole thing, essentially, where they're like, so they're invited to the party, and it's and they're like, oh yeah, I can't wait to, can't wait to marry Jubin. I'm so excited to marry Jubin. And then Jubin gets on stage and is just like tells. This is a weird part. He tells them all essentially the same shit that Jahi, like already kind of told Jubin's dad, and Jubin also told mm-hmm. Jubin's dad about Glam Choi. And then hearing it out loud, I guess. Then Juman's dad is just like, uh, you did all this? Uh, cr- seems like a lot. Seems like a lot. <laughs> this is crazy. Did you do all this? And then she's like, blast you kids. I would have gotten away with it too. And then she kind of runs away. <laughs> I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling rich boys. <laughs> yeah, so it just kind of runs away. And that's kind of the end of it. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly stupid. But okay, so that's the plot point wrapped up. Um, and then we move on to... Oh, also, Juman's dad is like, you've met a woman? And Juman's like, uh-huh. And Juman's dad was like, whoa. Whoa. A girl A girl Yeah, and it kind of ends with, he buys you... This has bothered me. He buys you this dress. He wants to he wants to dress you up and, you know, do a like you're a doll. He puts pretty bows in your hair. So, like, he buys you this dress. And then you leave. The, you do leave the apartment. at like, the last day. I don't know the apartment. Sorry. You leave his house mm-hmm. the last day. And then he, give, he gives you this dress. And if you get the best ending, you wear the dress he bought you. And I don't know why, but that bothered me. The dress is so ugly. I'm sorry. That's the problem, is that the dress is ugly. <laughs> it's so ugly. And also, it, I don't know. For some reason, my brain's like, oh, having... Like, Juman be away from MC for once, but at the same time, Juman's still deciding what she's gonna wear? It's odd. It's very odd. Also, we gotta get into Elizabeth III. So, Elizabeth III is returned, and Juman intends fully to give her back to V. V shows up, and he's- by the way, this is, like, the first time V has, like, actually shown up this whole route about his best friend, his childhood friends, who he's known since they were seven for 20 years. <laughs> his best bud in the world. So he shows up, and he's like, hey, best bud in the world, who I never talk to. 
uh, I've heard that you want to give the cat back. And she was like, yes, I want to give the cat back because I have issues and problems. And V's like, are you sure, though? You know, she loves you and she's a cat. And Juman's like, oh, I don't know. And then you're like, I think you should keep the cat. And he's like, well, if you insist. <laughs> if you insist. And so he keeps the cat, which, okay. All right. <laughs> it's so weird. I... I don't understand. It's a complete, like, 180 flip of Elizabeth I kind of got, but then I was expecting at the end for it to be like, oh, you know, I see her as finally, I finally see her as just a cat, but I still love her because she's a cat, and I like, and I love her. She's my pet. I care about her. Uh, But instead it's just like, oh no, I can't think of her as a woman anymore. Yeah, he's so weird. I I get, like, what they were going for is that he sees her as an extension of Rika, because as far as he understands it, one of his best friends in the whole wide world... (laughs) Is fucking dead. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. So she's fucking dead. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> and so, you know, he sees Elizabeth III because Rika was the one who suggested that he get a cat as an extension of her. It's sort of part of her memory. Um, and he doesn't know if he can ever really disconnect himself from that idea. But also, dude, she's a fucking cat. She's a fucking cat. And also... To get, I'm gonna probably put this ping pong this around and probably edit this in somewhere. Mm-hmm. Talk a bit about how Juman's route is very horny and it and it hate it. I hate it. Ooh, the horniness of Juman's route. Oh boy, we've talked about so we've talked about Zen horniness, but Zen horniness is at least like he's just kind of he's horny I'm gonna from come the bottom of his heart. He's just I'm gonna come in my pants. I'm cool green. Is in a totally serious, unemotional, unaffected tone. I'm going to come in my pants. <laughs> yeah, it's it. It's like it's so. I can kind of get like weirded out by this stuff. Like I physically react. I'm like, oh god, gross. But <laughs> I had that a lot during Juman's row because you're in his house and he mm-hmm. calls you and he's like, you're right in front of me right now. I can see you. You're right in front of me. <laughs> and it's like, god damn it, dude. What is your problem? Dude, dude, you cannot come in your soup pants right now. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what if I kissed you? What if I, you can't, I can't hold back. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> I'm right, that's what the calls are. I know, I know, he's so incredibly horny, and it's just so, it's so deeply uncomfortable, and, like, part of me is like, well, maybe it's because it's not my thing. Maybe that's why I'm not into it, but I'm not entirely convinced that if it is your thing that you're gonna like this iteration of it, where he's just like, oh, yeah, stand in front of me so I can tell you about how I'm gonna come in my pants. (laughs) Stand in front of me so I can be like, wow, I can see you right now. You're like hot as shit. I want to kiss you so bad and also fuck you. And it's like, dude, we're right in front of each other on the phone. Dude, what is wrong with you? And it's just the way he says some things that I know they're meant to be like innuendo. There are two instances of this. One where you call him and he's like, we're in the same house, but you're calling me. Interesting. Are you playing with me right now? Ugh. And then oh, I forgot. 
Secondly, is um, at the very end, it's a heartfelt call where he's talking about how he's sad that you're gone. And I really like this call for the beginning part, because as somebody who has been in love and, you know, I don't live with my partner, saying goodbye can often feel that way. Even when you know that you're going to see each other incredibly soon, you know, you just don't want to be without them. So I got that part. But then he's like, you are an oasis in the desert. And I want to drink all of you. <laughs> uh, I, I forgot about that. Fuck you for reminding me of that. Oh my oh, god. Milo, you don't want Juman to drink all of you? Stop. You just so you up. I hate it. It's so weird. Oh my god. So odd. <laughs> okay. Uh, to wrap up Juman's route. I'd say, what would you give it a rating? It's very difficult because I know what it's going for and I feel it could have been executed much better, but the way it was executed makes me, (laughs) it makes me like, imagine I'm like a little stick figure man in jorts right now and I'm quaking in my jorts, but not in a positive way, in an extremely negative way. Like, my jorts are, are ripping apart seam to seam. And it's because the disgust of my body is reforming an acid that sweats off and then destroys my jorts. What is the jorts come into this? <laughs> the jorts are part of it because... So, I guess I give this probably, like, uh... I gave... What did I give Zen? A C? I think we gave Zen a C, if I remember correctly. Give a C. Now I recognize the effort. In my jorts. Okay. Now here's the interesting thing. I think I respect Zen's route more. Because yeah. I think that there are points and even though Zen has the weird ass sexual assault bit. <laughs> There's, like, a lot of shit that in, in Zen's route that at least ties back into the larger picture. And also, I don't know, I re- I don't, it's a lot of parts of Jubin's route, I think of, whenever I think of them, I think of them in a way of, like, mocking them. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the parts of Zen's route, and I'm like, that was kind of cute. Like, there's yeah. stuff where, you know, you're in his house, and he changes his profile picture to be you, and he's like, I love you. It's sweet. Uh, I think the Juman has some sweet moments, but also his route is incredibly laughable and funny to me, which is a problem because I want to give it better high scores because it makes me laugh. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a C minus, actually. All right. So that's a C minus and a C for Juman, or a C and a C minus. And that brings us to the other deep story route seven zero seven. Okay. I think it's important to know, like, the background of 707, because if you played Mystic Messenger back in 2016, you could not escape this dude. Yeah, he was big. He was big, and I had somehow never played his route back when Mystic Messenger was a thing, so I was- and when I found out Milo hadn't either, I was like, ooh? Ooh? So, we played Seven's route, and usually when- a character is super popular. I'm not that into them because I'm a contrarian and also horrible. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. Like when I, when I was, when everyone to Seven's route. I was like, I don't think I like him just because people like him so fucking much. It makes me like him less because it seems like 
it might be sort of a thing. I don't know why. I guess I'm just an asshole also, but I'm just, I sort of like, people seem so into him that I was like, maybe his route actually sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's my thing. It's like, I don't trust other people. But we did Seven's route, and I think it was day five we were simping. <laughs> yeah, we simped real early. Real early, because in the, one of the first days of his route, Seven, you're talking to Seven, and it starts off fun, but then it kind of gets, like, really low, and he talks about how he's feeling kind of sad, and you're like, what's going on? And he's just talking to you about how his relationship with God, because yeah. Seven is Catholic. There are a surprising number of Catholics in this Yeah, case. there is. I actually pulled up this screenshot of this text messages. That's what you're going to talk about. Oh, so read the text messages. They're so... Yeah, okay. Here's the text messages. Uh, quote, I'm not greedy for people. I could never have people around me, so I only had God. But God kept pushing me away. At first it was a small dot, and it kept getting bigger. The ripple gets get it keeps getting bigger and shakes me up. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm sorry. It's so sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. And this is also the start of Seven breaking up with you. Yeah. The trilogy. Seven breaks up with you like eight different times. <laughs> he does. He does. And it's so so he has this whole thing with God, which is an interesting aspect to me. Yeah, Actually, there's a lot of religion and mystic messenger surprisingly enough yeah but a little bit doesn't really a lot of the rest don't talk about it as much but whenever we we played it and we got to that sad part where she was talking about god both me and nelsie were like extremely simping yeah because we also got dumped by this virtual boy we got dumped so often and it was the So a lot of what ended up happening is that we would call, we would like VC, I don't know why I said VC like that, we would voice chat, and we would talk about what it was going on, and we would also talk in our Mystic Messenger channel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we had to, our friends had to make us a specific Mystic Messenger channel just for the two of us because we were like, deep in it. They had to quarantine us. One of the funniest things about this, I think, is that a lot of times people will mute channels for different interests that they're not into because, you know, you don't want to see the notifications for it. And I asked people about this, and most people I asked were like, no, I don't mute the Mystic Messenger channel because I think it's entertaining to see you guys going insane. Yeah, because we would go in there and we would lose our fucking minds. Cause, and I remember, mm-hmm. speaking of the Seven stuff, so Seven breaks up with you, and we'll get into why. I actually have listed all of why. But every time you'd break up with us, we would, like, get into calls and shit and people would join us. And they're, like, trying desperately to understand why we're still like, no, please, no, wait. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> you understand. You have to understand. He's my anime boy and he loves me, but he's so emotionally, <laughs> he's so emotionally conflicted. He can't handle that he loves me, but he does. He cares so much. It does, though! Oh. It does. So, okay. Seven's depressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do I, I, do we're gonna get into the timeline, but I have, I have listed out here his trauma, his three layers of trauma, and also his the plot three points. three layers of trauma. I think that we should probably get into the basic timeline before we get into his three layers of trauma. Okay. So, you go. Okay. So, beginning with 
Seven has his sad moment, and then later on, he's trying to distinctly forget about this. This is also the point where people start to realize that he might have feelings for you, and the whole group kind of picks up on it and, and makes fun of him a little bit for it. He is very defensive about this. So there's this whole thing of, like, this one comes to a head whenever we start getting introduced to the agency plotline. So Seven is a part of this agency that, like, does hacking. They hack. And there's this member of the agency called Vanderwood, which he lies and tells everybody that's his maid, who shows up and is, like, starting around here, I think, yeah, he starts, like, Vanderwood becomes a sort of a thing that you learn about in the plot, where Vanderwood's like, hey, we need results. Vanderwood's whole purpose is to kind of be a dickhead. <laughs> kind of be a dickhead. Uh, in Seven's route, I want to be clear, I don't dislike Vanderwood. I don't understand all the people that are horny about him. But, no, why do you people want a Vanderwood route? He, he's nothing. He's a nothing man. But okay. So, Vanderwood and 707 have a working relationship where Vanderwood essentially cleans 707's house because 7 has ADHD. The game really wants you to know that 7 has ADHD, by the way. Yeah, that's not a joke. There's so many options where it's like, you can either be nice to him, or this is an I have ADHD. I want to say this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying ADHD is a bad thing, mm-hmm. for the record. Yeah. But there's like, the options are like, good option that's like, 7, blah, blah, blah. The other one's like, you have ADHD. Like, legit, word for word. It is just so, the game's like, hey, please tell this man your diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> please. So, Seven has ADHD, he has a hard time working under pressure, or he has a hard time just working in general because he's worrying so much about you. Um, he has a CCTV of your hallway in the apartment, and on his yeah. CCTV, he watches to make sure that you're all right. I want to be clear. Some people try to put this as the CCTV is like a creepy thing. It's in the hallway. Get a grip. It's in the hallway. Don't be horny about it. He can't see you. He can't see you. Please. He sees you when you walk down the hall. Yeah, there's nothing here, y'all. <laughs> so the CCTV, he constantly watches because he gets concerned about you. Uh, and this is a problem because he also has a job. He works so, for the agency. He needs his agency shit done. He needs to get his agency shit done, and there are very big consequences for if he doesn't. Yeah, there's, like, life or death consequences. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want him to die. <laughs> and it's sort of continuing this thing of, like, he's worried for you, and he wants to- he's supposed to. He knows that he is supposed to keep his distance from you. But at the same time, he can't help mm. but being, like- oh, yeah, I was thinking about you today. I want to talk to you. Like, he can't help but not, like, try to talk to you at this sort of stage where he wants to still talk to you, but at the same time, he's sort of getting your hopes up when he's supposed to be keeping his distance. There are so many cute calls with you and Seven at this point where he calls and he's like, I didn't mean to call, but I just wanted to talk to you, and also I'm having trouble. I'm also in trouble and everything. It's just a lot. And so yeah, it's so cute. So cute. But... At this point, you get to this point where Seven is, at this point, kind of angry at you because he's starting to realize his feelings for you. Um, yeah. And when you talk to him about his feelings, he, I remember this specific line. This might not be totally in order, but I think it is. Uh, I remember this specific line where he goes, um, I don't like it when you talk about these feelings as if I'm ignorant to them. I don't want to have these sort of feelings for you, and I don't want to deal with them. But it makes me feel like you think I'm stupid. And it's just like, like, it's so, because he essentially outlines, like, I think this is the second time he breaks up with you. The first time is him kind of being like, I need to keep my distance. Mm -hmm. And then the second time is him being like, hey, 
again, we need to keep our distance. Please stop, like, like doing this. Like, be nice to me, mm-hmm. essentially. I, I, you need to understand that this can't happen. Mm-hmm. But then he's trying to keep his distance from you. And whoopsie doodle, the hacker has unlocked the bomb in your apartment. What's that all about? Yeah, that's what I find interesting about it is that I was thinking about this route in terms of, like, the plot points is that it's so very interesting to me the fact that the minute that he's sort of like, oh, the work with the agency is getting to a point where Vanderwood's saying shit like, hey, you can't involve her in this. She's going to fucking die, you idiot, you dumbass. You can't have feelings. <laughs> and then he's sort of like, okay, we need to keep her distance. The minute it happens, the bomb stuff happens. So then he has to go to your apartment. Yep. He goes to your apartment. I think also he tricks Vanderwood while he goes to your apartment. Yeah, he ditches. He ditches Vanderwood. He ditches Vanderwood. Vanderwood is pretty angry about this. But he ditches Vanderwood because there's been a security breach of the apartment. He goes there. He essentially squats down in your apartment. And this is also directly after he's broken up with you. So he has to establish to you that he is not there because he likes you. Okay? He's there because if he's not there, you're going to die. Yeah, he's straight up, like, he's jumping in the apartment, and usually in these routes, this would be, like, a sweet moment. Oh, he's here to help me. Instead, it's like, no, we you need we can't. This is just a completely, like, civil relationship. Mm-hmm. And he has such specific parameters for being in your apartment, because he does not want you to be in another room, because then he can't see you, but he also doesn't want to look at you, because if he looks at you, he's going to be distracted. But he also doesn't d- not want to look at you, he kind of just wants to look at the back of your head so he knows that you don't know that he's looking at you. And then he just wants to do everything you would do in the room with him. But you can't talk to him. If you talk to him, he's not going to respond to you. But also... But also there are implications that you have tried talking to him and there are moments where he just irritatedly goes along with it and then gets angry at you afterwards. Yeah, it's so wild. It's some kindergarten-ass shit. (laughs) He's like, he's just like, oh yeah, no, like, don't talk to me. And then if you do talk to him, he's not like, he's just like, whatever, why are you bothering me? And then you take his glasses (laughs) and one of the calls or something. And he's like, what are you you, you trying to take my glasses for? Why are you trying to talk to me? What do you like me? Talk to me. What do you you like me or something? Because I don't want to talk to you. Because every time you try and look at what I'm doing, you always want to add, you want to put on my glasses. You want to play with my hair. <laughs> so it's legit. Those are word for word viewers. I want you to know. He's so yeah. This point in the route is just incredibly like. There's this wall between you two, and then it's sort of sort of coming undead a little bit. But also he's trying his damnness mm-hmm. to keep it up. And there are just so many points that the, there were so many points in this route. Zen freaks out about this, by the way. This is a footnote, but Zen freaks out in every route where anybody's at your house um, or you're at somebody else's house. And he's like, are you fucking seven right now? Are you in seven having sex right now? Are you, am I on the phone with you while you're having sex with seven? And you're like, no, he's Catholic. And then he goes, okay, but if you guys have sex, I'm going to kill somebody. But also don't have sex. But also, if you, I chose the, there's a point where he goes, but if it were to happen, I just, uh, this might be too personal, because then can't talk to women. Uh, <laughs> he goes, this might be too personal, but um, would you actually? And you have the option to say, no, I'd prefer to go slow. Or if we like each other, then sure. And I picked the second one because I was curious. And Zen is just like, oh, uh, well, you're an adult. You can make your own decisions. <laughs> yeah. This is the one I remember the most when I think of the Awuga joke. Mm-hmm. Because he's legit, he's just like, 
Yeah, you get fucking. You're like alone. You can't be alone. Can't be alone. You guys are having sex right now, aren't you? It's really funny because other routes never he does those calls. You guys are already sort of in a romantic relationship with seven. He's actively like not talking to you, and then Zen's, Zen's calling you like you guys fucking like no, no, no man. Man, we're not. <laughs> he broke up with me yesterday. In fact, we're actively like not speaking right now. The funniest thing about me, this to me is that he's, the way he words it is he's like, did seven change? <laughs> yeah, did seven, yeah, okay, I found, I found, I found the screenshot, I found the screenshot. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean when seven suddenly starts panting as if he's run a mile, or when he eyes half closed, things like that. Oh my god, he's so stupid. <laughs> it's like his idea of this is fucking cartoons. It's a cartoon wolf. He's a cartoon wolf. He's like, you have to say your own joke. I won't steal it from you. Okay, I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll read it exactly what I said. <laughs> Zen, watch out for when Zevin goes a wooga and his eyes bulge out. <laughs> oh, it's so fucking funny. It's so stupid. It was such a wild call, especially because we're in this emotionally turbulent situation fucking highs and lows and then it ends over there like are you guys fucking we that's a zen moments for seventh route we're also gonna i want to put a pin in this and i'm gonna talk about it at the tail end but sad you sung moments for seventh route oh yeah we did all the calls for seventh and then we were looking at the list and this there was one listed that had an actual note they had to actually break their formatting they had a note and the note was you sung cries hard mm-hmm we're going to put a pin in that, but oh my god, I could talk about those for hours. <laughs> okay, but to get into the plot some more. So then what sort of comes to a head is that Saren shows up. Okay, so first of all, you see a floppy disk uh, in Seven's uh, belongings, and you load that up, and there are pictures of this little red-headed boy. <laughs> the little red-headed boy. The little red-headed boy. And you're like, what's up with that? And he's like, fuck off! Fuck off and die! Fuck off and die! There are also these small moments of tenderness with Seven where you'll be asleep and he's like, I don't know why you don't give up on me, blah, 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 blah. Is it before or after you go to Mintai with him? No, it's okay. before. This is before. Yeah, way before you go to Mintai with him, uh, you sort of reconcile with him. Okay, first of all, you have a call with him. Uh, this is an outgoing call, so it's optional whether or not you got this, but I got this. Is um, you do an outgoing call with him where he specifically tells you, I don't care if you get hurt anymore. I'm going to be actively mean and hurtful to you because I don't want you to get hurt. If you keep talking to me, you're going to get hurt. And I don't care about that if you get hurt from me anymore. Yeah. And, and when this happened, we said that we had gotten broken up with again. And our friend Percy said, You guys do not seem to be having fun. And we said, No, we're having the time of our lives. I mean, we're having the time of our lives. But yeah, it was so like, it's one of those things that made me just sit there. And just stare at a wall for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And just kind of take it in. And I think this, is this, I I don't remember if this is before he sees Saren. I think it might be after. Like, whenever Saren uh, like, comes into the apartment and holds you at gunpoint. Oh, yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is before he sort of does that whole thing about, yeah, I'm going to be actively mean to you. I'm worried about your health. No, 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 this is after. Sorry, sorry. And then, so Saren, yeah. the other thing that happens is that Saren shows up into the apartment. He is trying to, because Seven's fixing the bomb, and then... Like, Saren's like, fuck you. He shows up, and he holds MC, like, around, like, around the throat with the, with the bomb detonator in his hand. And Seven's, like, does not know who this is. And then Saren's, like, yeah. sort of tells him, and Seven sort of realizes and has this fucking moment of what, mm-hmm. where he's like, holy shit. 
you're not Prince. What the fuck? Because those pictures that he's we found is were of Saren. Those was the ones that Rika gave Seven that was supposed to be like, look, Saren's fine. Yes. Because Seven had to go into the agency and had to totally forgo his identity. And he did this at a very young age. Yeah, he did. That's why he changed his name. His actual name, spoilers, I guess, is Seyoung. And they changed his name to be Luciel, which is actually based on, like, Lucifer. So that way he would never, sort of like a warning to himself, to never sort of fall. Mm-hmm. A lot of religious imagery with Seven. And so he realizes this, and it's a really, really sad moment. Um... Eventually, Saren has to leave because Seven tells him that the intruder business on the the bomb, right? The intruder thing is going to go off and it's going to explode you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Saren doesn't want to get exploded. So he's like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, he leaves. You fought me again. You fought me again, you dastardly kids. But yeah, he and then Seven's fucked up about this. So fucked up because his twin brother, who he thought was in the custody of V, his brother. <laughs> he, he is, yeah, it, it's so. We'll get more into this whenever we get into Saren's route because we have uh, feelings. But yeah. fucked up. But from Seven's perspective, fucking huge betrayal because V kept telling him, Saren's fine. Don't worry about it. Saren's fine. And Seven's this whole time been like, I can't see him, but yeah. I hope he's okay. You know? Yeah, and so Seven confronts V about this, and V provides nothing of substance. Nothing at all. He's also very, very vague about this, because he cannot tell any of the other RFA members about his twin. And so he has essentially having this argument with V that nobody else understands, that Yusung is sort of blindly supporting him through, because he doesn't get it, but he hates V. Yeah, yeah. And V does not provide anything of substance, but instead what he does is he goes, don't look into any of Rika's private things. Which, yes. Okay, buddy. Um, shut. I God, that whole conversation was so good because it's the fucking layers, man. The fucking layers of it all. And Seven gets really pissed at this because it's active mistrust from V, and he and it makes him more suspicious. Yeah, because like he's talking, and he's like literally sitting here, like, hey, can you just tell me what happened with my brother? And then V's just like, I can't. Don't look in the thing. And it's like, why the fuck would you bring that why up right now? Why would you do that? Like, literally why? And so, you know, these things are pretty bad. And Seven <sighs> says that he is going to leave the RFA. Yes. And Yusung is sad. Yusung is incredibly sad. This is also the point, I think, so as well, where he says he's not only going to leave the RFA, he is going to, like, change his fucking name. Because the, the agency is after him. Yeah, yeah. He's never going to associate with these people again. Yes, and then, yeah, it's just, and he's, like, sort of saying, it like, yeah, no. We, like, and then Yusung's, like, the relationship we I built, know. you know, we're friends. And Yusung's, like, it's, it's so always going to happen. And so the agency is mm-hmm. after him, and he sort of burned his bridges with everybody, and everybody's super worried about him. And this also comes to a point with his relationship with you, where things with you and him are bad until they start becoming good. I can talk about the Yusung calls now, because it's this This is a good time. So after the confrontation, Seven announced that he's going to leave the RFA. He also kind of lashes out at Yusung a bit. For background, Yusung and 707 are the closest in age within the group, and Seven is the closest friend to Yusung because Yusung is so young in comparison to everyone else in the RFA. Yeah, yeah. They're, like, really good friends. They hang out all the time. 
They're really, really good friends. And so you call Yusung and Yusung is crying. And he's yeah. crying. Yusung is crying. And you have to tell him that it's probably just that Seven is lashing out because he's upset with V. And Yusung insists that like he would be able to understand it all because he knows that V is wrong in this situation. He doesn't know how, but he knows. And you sort of have to calm him down. And like, as a, as the Yusung expert of the podcast, I just think that Seven's route gave me a lot with Yusung. He's so, he's so horribly sad. He is, yeah. Like the whole thing of, of, of Seven just being like, yeah, no, it's all for Yusung. Not to get too much into Yusung, but it's mm-hmm. like Seven just up and saying he's going to leave. It's like, it's sort of another person just leaving his life. <laughs> It's so, it's so much. It's so very much. I just think about this a lot. <laughs> While we're talking about Yusung, uh, in the background, Jumin is called Yusung's mom to help him get his life together because Yusung is horribly depressed and addicted to video games. <laughs> it is a very funny subplot that I had no idea what to do with. But <laughs> I want to be clear that you that 707's route has so many Yusung crying phone calls. It does! Yusung crying phone call where he cries to you about Seven being mean to him. There's a phone call where he cries because his mom left. And there's a phone call where he cries to you drunk because you and Seven are together. And to be honest, my I think that Yusung has feelings for you and Seven's route. Yeah, I think so too. But he's like trying to be buck up and be like a wingman to you for Seven. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's sad. There's also on, on Seven's route, but in the first, like before he visits your apartment, and actually also during the visit to the apartment, because he doesn't talk to you, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't well, as much. He's not in the chats. He's not in the chats rarely. They mm-hmm. need to fill in that sort of time. So there's like two different subplots. There's the subplot about Yusung, like Jumin being like, Yusung is too addicted to games. We're going to call his fucking mom. And. <laughs> Calls his mom, and his mom makes him, like, clean and stuff, mm-hmm. and, like, do his laundry, and it's really rough on him. Oh, <laughs> man, it's so hard. And the other one is this, like, it's a Zen subplot about a Tryptorbot, where you, Zen has, a, sorry, Seven has set up a bot that just spams Zen's pictures on the internet. Yeah. Because Zen doesn't know Which how to work the internet. Yeah, and it gives Zed a lot of attention because he's hot and also because <laughs> he's a musical actor. Yeah, and it's just sort of a thing that they find out about, and then it's just... They bring it up, but there's not, like, a, like an arc to it. It's just kind of a thing that happened. Get into the more plot stuff. Things with you get pretty bad with you and Seven, uh, and then they start to get better when he repairs the robot cat that he made for you originally. Um, because he broke it at first, because the robot cat was trying to expose his feelings. Yeah, the robot cat is like, you seem depressed! I'm detecting depression love you levels. Talk to, do you want to talk to MC? You Talking to people you like will make you less depressed. And he's like, fuck. And he's like, so no therapy? And then he throws it on the ground. <laughs> Damn cat trying to psychoanalyze me. What the fuck? <laughs> and he breaks it. And you're pretty sad about this. And he's like, well, I'm angry. And then later he apologizes and he puts it back together. Yeah, he puts it back together, yeah. He sort of, he opens up to you about the stuff and he's sort of about how, like, he's trying to push you away because he's afraid of, like, these different masks that he sort of wears. Mm-hmm. Kind of, like, there's that. He wanted to be the happy-go-lucky seven for mm-hmm. you, and that's what you're sort of expecting. And he legit can't. And he's just is sort of thinking, like, if you get to know Young. All you're going to feel is just heartbreak and I'm going to put you in danger. He rebuilds the Rebel Cat. He opens up to you about these things. 
And your relationship sort of goes from there. There's a really nice heartfelt call where he opens up to you and he talks to you about how a lot of the time he was fronting with a different personality and he was missing his twin in his life and he was horribly depressed and he was trying to project this image of being a happy-go-lucky person in order to sort of build that within himself. But with you, you kind of understand him and you've seen him at pretty bad points. And so he wants, you know, he wants to build a relationship with you now. He wants to have that happy life with you. This is also the introduction, and I'll make a quick note of this because we've done it for every route except Jayhees because they don't exist in Jayhees, but seven horny moments. <laughs> seven, yeah, the brief seven horny moments. Seven horny moments are brief, but also sort of like, um, most of it is just him like, you gotta understand, you can't, you can't be, you can't be sexually around near me. <laughs> I'm Catholic. I'm, I'm Catholic. But your, your skirt's kinda short. Your skirt's kinda short. <laughs> I'm Catholic. Aren't you cold? <laughs> it's so. so silly. I love it. So it sort of comes to a head where... And we'll sort of wrap this up a bit, then we get into the bit of the trauma. So the whole thing sort of comes to a head where he's like, hey, fuck the Rafa. Fuck it. So he just is like, the Rafa's done. I'm not going to be part of it. He's going to go to Mentai himself. He goes to Mentai to sort of get his brother out. And Seiran starts like, it just like runs. Then he takes down mm-hmm. Mentai, and then Seiren's trying to run and runs away. So they don't go to the party. The party still happens, but neither MC nor Seven go to the party. Yeah. And it is a whole thing. It also ends with V... V resigns from the RFA. Uh, we're supposed to care. We're supposed to feel bad for him, which I don't. <laughs> I don't know I don't. why they would even try to pull this in this round especially. <laughs> Like we've said, and we'll get more into this in his actual episode, but because I love you, Sung, and because Milo loves 707, we are predisposed to hate V. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 7 has been screwed over by V so specifically because V has been telling 7 that his brother is fine when he knows he isn't. And then at the same time, 7's sort of been, like, doing this work. So it sort of comes to a head where the reason he finds out about Mintai because whenever V brings up that whole drawer situation, he goes, fuck you, he looks into it, and he sees that the thing mm-hmm. that Seven's been covering up, his apartment, the bombs and stuff, has had information about Mentai. He's been unknowingly actively helping V cover up this this cult. Literally. That has his brother in it. It's so, it's so much, and it's just... It's such a fucked up plot. And at the end of the and at the end of the story, you do like you uncover some stuff about Mintai, you go to the headquarters, you see Saren, and Seven tries to convince him, but Saren does not believe that Seven is in it for his best interests, or that Seven didn't know that Saren was abandoned, essentially. Yeah, which I mean fair. Very fair, you know. Saren has no reason to believe that Seven has good intentions for him because Saren has no reason to believe anyone has good intentions to him for to be honest. Yeah, after all after all he's been through, yeah. Yeah. It's- going this is not a good point for Saren but it bears noting that 707 is one of the only people whose after ending is so extensive that it counts as another route in the game yeah he Seven is considered to be like the the what's well, not, not the correct option but like the in canon actual ending person yes seven is the closest you'll probably get to a true ending um, and his after ending is based around 
we haven't played it personally because I don't have that kind of money. But no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Disaster Ending is based around uncovering secrets of Mintai, finding Saren and bringing him to safety, and also fuck V. <laughs> yeah, fuck V. It is also a big thing about... So the ending of his is that you and... Seven runs, so it's just MC and Seven make the whole thing of, like, they're going to look for him. They're going to keep looking for him. So it's kind of like them trying to find Saren and, like, rekindle this, which is really interesting. I just like Seven. I just want to say that. And I think that that's why I kind of like him also, because his whole... There's a lot of things that I enjoy in other characters. He has the whole fucking, like, the fact that he puts on these happy masks and all of that. And also, he's got, like, three layers of trauma got fucking the religious trauma doesn't believe that god god's all that he then it's like fucking his brother believe that he can't protect anybody and then he has like self-hate where he just like believes that he is not worthy of love and it's sort of interesting to watch all of these like factors kind of play into how he treats you he's a route that is straight up like he does have feelings for you but he legit cannot act on them literally it's just there's so much to seven's route i love him very very much he 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 he's so good i enjoy him so much and he's also Cute! His stuff is cute! His stuff is super cute. I just, I think that you can get a lot out of Seven's Route. I also think you can get a lot out of Seven's Route if you're me and you love Yusung and you just want to collect Yusung calls. Yeah, I will say, I remember whenever I saw someone say that Yusung's Route has the most hearts, and I think, yeah, because you have a lot of time with the other characters, and it's just like you being like, oh, mm-hmm. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> so to wrap up, what kind of grade are we giving Seven? You gotta take a guess what one I'm gonna go. Oh man, oh man, I'm, I'm I don't know. Can I guess? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, what do you think? What's your What's your opinion? I don't know. Maybe you're gonna give him like a, a C, a C plus. Uh, I'm gonna give him an F. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm gonna give him an, an S rank. He's gonna be my S rank one. My simp. He's just simp rating. I'm going to mm-hmm. go ahead and give him an A+. I love Seven so much. He's definitely, like, a very close second favorite, only rivaled by, uh, well, we'll get into that next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Segway. But I think this marks the end of episode two of DigiDate. I hope that you enjoyed listening, and I hope that you go out there, and you go and you open your Mystic Messenger app that you haven't looked at in a while, and you look at those CGs and you go, man, memories. Man, fucked up eyes. Man, fucked up eyes. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye.